Welcome to the Paydia Education Podcast. I'm Dr. Bernie Wilkinson. I'm Dr. Richard Marshall. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, Friday. It's always Friday morning when we're recording. Well, for now. For now it is. We're going to start doing some other things, but we'll talk about that another time. Um, Today's podcast is... All about well, we're kind of continuing what we started last exactly, week. Right. Um, this unintended, is a continuation. Right. Unintended consequences of of this entire school reform movement. Um, but today we're going to specifically talk about school choice. Right. Right. This is a topic we've talked about before. Right. I was right. going to mention that you know, uh, listeners, if you if you haven't had a chance yet, um, in episode five of the Paydia podcast, we talk about uh, that. That one's called Sound Aspirations. Impossible implementation, and we talk about the importance of school choice. Then, or we talk about the idea the of school choice. Yeah, right. The idea um, of school choice. And um, and so, if you're interested in some of the background and, and, and all that, check out episode five uh, because we talk about it in a lot more detail there, and uh, may help you as a as sort of a foundation. Right. Right. Um, so, but let's, let's before we kind of get into some of the unintended consequences, let's talk about what school choice is. Okay. Um, school choice is another... Well, let me begin with this. The essential problem in education today, uh, there are two. One is that there are many people in the country, beginning in the 1980s, we've talked about A Nation at Risk, that 35-page pamphlet that was published in the 1980s, that said the American educational system is a mess um, and it needs to be cleaned up and fixed because it's not... um, We're not keeping pace with students... Our students are not keeping pace with students from other countries, and it's reflected in lower test scores and all that business. Um, the second problem is is that we have what's in our country we have what's called an achievement gap, and that is the um, academic achievement differences between students of privilege and students who are in poverty. And this seems to be an intractable, intractable problem that we've never really been able to find a solution for. Now, one of the solutions came in 1950, one of the attempts to fix this problem came in 1954 with Brown versus Board of Education that said separate is not equal. You can't have a, a school system for African-American children, a school system for white children, because as the ruling said, they are inherently unequal. And right. so that was the first attempt. And then in the 60s, we had this uh, business of busing came up, that we had to have some way of desegregating our schools. So the idea was that we would... Um, we would bust children, and that would equalize education for everybody. Well, that didn't work, and there was opposition. So what, what, what we're trying to do is we're trying to somehow um, end this concept of the neighborhood school because the idea was that poorly performing schools are in poor neighborhoods, and poor neighborhoods are populated by people of color. And so um, we somehow have to uh, break up this um, notion of the neighborhood school. So in the 60s and 70s, we tried forced busing. That didn't work. And by the 90s and the early 2000s, most busing programs had been um, stopped. Okay. And so we continue to have the, we continue to struggle with two problems. One is an underperforming school system nationally, and the other is the achievement gap between rich and poor. Right. And school choice is the next effort to try to solve those two problems. Right, right. So, so what school choice? The, the idea of school choice um, is rooted in, in that that we that we offer, or, or that students have the opportunity to go to different schools so that right. they can have. Um, now, as it has evolved, it's changed a little bit because what's happened now is we have situations where where different schools have different uh, a different focus, or right. they. You know, it's a school of technology. It's a school of art, and, and those are considered schools, uh, school schools of choice. Right. Um, but it's because they have a particular focus or a particular right. um, curriculum that uh, interest right. uh, a student with a particular type of skill or interest may yeah. be able to go to that. Right. Yeah. The idea was, first of all, and I'm going to get into this a, bit, a little bit later, but the idea was is that if we make underperforming schools better people will want to go to them. That, right. that was the whole idea. So it was this idea of the free market educational system that let's let schools compete with each other. There was a famous economist from Chicago named Milton Friedman. 
And back in the 70s, Milton Friedman was talking about you have to have competition because competition makes everything better. Right. right? And so why not have competition among schools because uh, parents would want their children to go to the highest performing or the, quote, good schools, and the poorly performing schools would simply go out of existence. That that was the idea. So there was this intuitive appeal that um, competition would make all schools better. Right. Right. And... and you know, I, I think that one last piece of this school choice thing to, to mention, because with what you were just saying in mind, is that another way that it has evolved is if you are a parent and have a child that goes to an underperforming school, right? Then you're ha- then you are allowed the cho- the choice to change to another right. school. Yeah, when we went to school. Our parents didn't have a choice. You went to your neighborhood school. And if it was a poorly performing school, you, you didn't have a choice. And you had to you had to stay in that underperforming school unless your parents put you in a private school that right. they had to pay for. Right. But there was no um, free alternative right. uh, to, to a poorly performing school. So that was the problem that school choice um, was um, intended to solve. Right. And, and as we talked about, in episode five that I mentioned earlier, um, that's a sound goal. I think that that's there, there's nothing, nothing wrong. wrong with that idea, with right. that perspective. But um, as we will be talking about here uh, very shortly, um, there are some unintended consequences of that. There are, there are some issues that have emerged from that that are going to be uh, problematic. Well, uh, as we move and that, forward, that, when I moved to uh, Florida in um, two thousand and one. Um, I it was the first. I had come from Austin, Texas, and there were a few magnet schools in Austin, but they weren't magnet schools. I mean, if you wanted your child to go to a science academy, you know, you had that choice. Um, when I came to to uh, Polk County, it was the first time that I was really confronted with large scale school choice, and it struck me um, upon my arrival. It struck me that while some schools were getting better and better, other schools were getting worse and worse. Right. And so they were still unequal schools. It was the, It's just that the students were being distributed differently. Right. So, yes, it's a good goal. It, it's a laudable goal. It's a good goal um, that we make all schools better um, and that we give parents a choice. But there are some unintended consequences with the school choice movement. Right. Okay. And, and, uh, and you become aware of them very early because... Um, my children were in elementary school when we arrived in Florida, when we arrived in, in Lakeland. And um, it quickly became apparent to me that some of the highest achieving students were being pulled out of their school to be put into magnet and charter and private schools. Right. And I thought, well, eventually all the best students are going to be pulled out and the school is going to be left with underperforming students. I mean, it, was, it just seemed like a natural... That was a natural progression, that the most highly sought-after students would end up at the highest-performing schools and everybody else would be left behind uh, right. in, in these underperforming schools. So it seemed like there were some unintended consequences, and I've been concerned about that since then because, in fact, I think that's happening. And then I, I um, opened up my email the other day, and um, I, I subscribed to um, a blog that's written by Diane Ravitch, R-A-V-I-T-C-H, We've talked about her before. Yeah. I mean, she's my hero. You're a big fan. Oh, no. Yeah, fan comes from fanatic. Uh-huh. I'm a fanatic about Diane Ravitch. Yeah. I mean, I read her stuff every single day. And she publishes um, a, a little piece about every hour yeah. during the workday. And so we get about 8 or 10 or 12 um, blogs a day from Diane Ravitch. Diane Ravitch is important because she was on the committee that wrote the No Child Left Behind legislation. So she really understands it. She's also on the faculty at Columbia Teachers College. Well, and let's, let's throw in, uh, because I'm sure that this will come up, uh, she wrote No Child Left Behind, as mm-hmm. you said, or co-wrote, um, yet she's not a big fan. Now she's, she's become a vociferous critic of No Child Left Behind and high-stakes testing and school choice. What was that word? Vociferous. Wow. Richard, it's only 6.50 in the morning. That's a... I'm pumped about school choice. I guess so. And, and I'm, I gotta, I've been wanting to say this for the past if, um, few minutes. Your voice today, hey. man, I, it is a... Uh, can you tell? I, it's something. 
I got my Barry White voice going today. How you doing, ladies? I think, hello, ladies. <laughs> this is Friday. I'll be singing at the Holiday Inn Lounge later today. Tonight, come and see me, 9 o'clock, Holiday Inn Lounge. I'm a lounge singer. I think this is called a deep baritone, isn't it? I think so. Okay. Um, so anyway, let me, he keeps interrupting me. <laughs> Sorry about um, that. So this is, so Diane Ravitch writes this um, blog yes, yesterday, Thursday, and it was entitled, Unintended Consequences of School Choice. Right. Now, you can imagine my excitement when I saw that. Right. I came running down to your office. You right? did. And, and it was funny because it, we had, um, you know, of course, earlier we posted the, the our podcast from last week, which was called Unintended Consequences. That was what so, got me so excited. I said, Bernie, you're not going to believe this. Um, Diane Ravitch is talking about the unintended consequences of school choice. And that's what we've been talking about. These are good ideas. But there are some unintended consequences, and we don't we don't mean we. I don't think you and I ever want to be a critic, right? Know? As somebody said, there's never been a monument erected to a critic. Um, but we don't want to be critics, but we want to um, we want to discuss the issues uh, of importance in mental right. health and education, whatever. So we don't mean to be critical, but there are some unintended consequences with what seems like a very good idea. You know, right. intuitively, this is appealing. Uh, right. For, uh, you know, for, for economists who believe in competition, for uh, people who, who have a conservative political philosophy, this, this makes good sense, that if you give people a choice, um, everybody gets what they want, and all the... What's that thing about... All the boats will rise, you mm-hmm. know, if you if you um, if you make things better. So if you make some schools better, you make all schools better because they'll be competing for students. Well, as it turns out, and what Diane Ravitch talks about in her blog, that's not quite how it's working. And the article that she cites in her blog um, appeared in Harvard Magazine, and it was written by two um, professors from Harvard University. Um, I had it up a second ago, and now it's died. from the Harvard Review. No, it's Har- it's called Harvard Magazine. It's the Harvard Mag- Magazine, and the title of it is is "Debating School Choice" right by Marina, um, and a very long last name right, right. Uh, Balotnikova. I think yeah. is how you would pronounce it, Balotnikova. Yeah, and they're on um, um, Parag Pathak and um, Christopher Avery, recent contributions by visiting professor. These are economics professors. Parag Pathak, and um, he's a Larson professor of public policy, and Christopher Avery um, wrote this article in, um, uh, and it's on their website. It's on um, um, Avery's and Pathak's uh, website. So they're looking at school choice in the Boston area from an economic standpoint. What they did is really cool. They built a model, uh, a computer model, of the ideal school choice system. So they they did a simulated city and they said, okay, we're gonna make all the schools schools of choice. Right. Okay. And let's see what happens if we did that. Right. And and based on that article. And they came up with several that they encountered several unintended consequences when they develop a full choice school model. Now again, they're using school choice to um, to end the idea of neighborhood schools. Right. Because neighborhood schools are um, unequal. Right. Okay? So we want to make all schools, the, the goal here is we're going to make all schools choice schools and so all schools will be equal. And so they, they, they built this um, simulation model. What they found was, what they found was this, that um, and, and the idea was um, that you would create these schools. What happened in the model was that the most sought after schools, and there were always some schools that were the most sought after. They, right. they were seen as being superior for whatever reason. The most sought after schools were still a scarce commodity. And parents still had to compete for access. 
Right. So there didn't seem to be any way to end the inequality among the schools. Some schools just were, were more sought after for whatever reason. It might have been the students, it might have been the teachers, it might have been the curriculum, but they were more sought after. And the more sought after schools became a scarce commodity. When something becomes scarce, it becomes inaccessible. So right. still, only certain ac- students had access to the highest performing schools. Well, And like we've talked about in previous podcasts, when they become more sought after, the 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 cost the external expectations exactly. can rise and making it more difficult right. uh, because then they can be more selective right. in who they accept because now what you have what 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 evolved and and what evolved in their model and what has evolved in school districts around the country today is that parents are left to compete for access. Right. We're now competing with each other. Right. I'm competing with my neighbors for slots in these most sought after schools. Right. Okay. And so that happened in their model and it's happening in real life. Um, the second question, <clears throat> so, so one is we have this uh, competition and people who can have, um, people who can get access, whether it's, um, they, let me give you an example. In New York City, my son just moved. They had a baby, and they moved from Brooklyn, New York, back to Austin, Texas. And one of the reasons they moved is because um, education is a scarce commodity. In New- High-quality education is a scarce right. commodity in New York. And so to get into the best, highest-performing schools, you have to start with the highest-performing preschool and the highest-performing kindergarten. Right. So now you have wealthy parents in um, New York City who are tutoring their children to take the kindergarten exam and spending $25,000 a year to send their children to the highest-performing kindergartens. Right, because what, what I think a lot of people don't recognize is that with that system, there, there is a progression. There, there's a series of, of admissions, if you will. Right. So if you, if you want to get into, you know, one of the things I did with my kids is um, I really liked our neighborhood school. Um, my kids went to a little oh, school right. here in, yeah, here in um, mm-hmm. South Lakeland, and we really liked that school, and, and so we were very happy with them being there. But what happens is um, we are not necessarily as excited and, and impressed with some of the middle schools. The middle schools, right. And so for to get our kids into the middle school we wanted them to be in, we had to get them into the elementary school that fed into that middle school of choice. And so despite the fact that we really liked our elementary school, to get them into the middle school that we wanted them to be in, we had to make a decision earlier and earlier. And, and, and I think that that's a recurring theme that we're seeing because now those kindergarten placements are so scarce. Scarce, that's right. That you have to, um, you have to begin in, in preschool. That's right. And so, you, it, you know, it's bizarre to think about that, you know, if you're a parent, and, and, and I think that this is one of the ways that it's so unfair because... If you are a new parent, you have to you have to be thinking about twelve years into the future. That's right. And say, well, if I want them to go to this middle school or this high school, despite mm-hmm. how great my elementary school may be, right? If I want them to go to this middle school or even high school, I have to get them started. I have to get them on a list when they're about three years old, right? Because that's going to guarantee that track. And you bring up a. a- a perfectly a perfectly good example and practical example of exactly what they're talking about in their simulation. You were completely satisfied with your neighborhood elementary school, weren't you? Right. We were too. Loved it. Okay. Loved it. Most people say I'm I'm okay with my neighborhood. In what? fact, in fact, my son was accepted into the elementary school that feeds into the middle school that we wanted. Right. He was accepted into it um, early. And we sat down and we really thought about it, and we ended up keeping him at That's our right. neighborhood school and thinking, well, we'll just have to figure out what we can do for middle right. school because we liked that elementary school so much. We didn't do the same thing with my daughter, who's older. We moved her early. Um, but with my son, yeah, we, we, had to, we had to sit down and actually have that discussion because we liked that elementary school so much. Right. And so what problem were you trying to solve? I was trying to solve the problem of future the middle school. You Future were middle school, right? The problem confronting you was an underperforming middle school. Right. Okay. That's the problem. What's the solution for that problem? 
our solution was... I know, what mine too. <laughs> mine, I did exactly what you did. Right. Right. I, I took my kids out of my zoned middle school right. and put them in a choice, in our case, magnet, middle school. Right. Okay. The problem we're trying to solve is underperforming. I, we're going to talk about what, 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 do, what do we mean by a good school. Let's use the word good school right now, and I'll, I'll talk about that in a minute. The problem confronting us is we have underperforming or poorly performing middle schools. Right. Okay. Our solution is to take our kids out and put them in one of these sought-after right. magnet charter private schools. Right. Okay. What, is, what should be our solution? Fix the middle school. We should fix our middle. That's been my argument all along. Why do we tolerate underperforming? We know how to fix schools. Why do we tolerate? Under, we shouldn't have a problem of underperforming middle schools. Right. But but we have we have turned up this completely demolished our entire school system because we have underperforming middle schools. Right. Okay. Right. Fix the di- fix the darn middle schools. Okay. <laughs> if that's the problem, fix the middle schools now. That leads us to this concept of what is a good school? Because when we talk about underperforming middle schools, we're not really talking about the curriculum. Right. We're talking about behavior. Right. Okay. What we want our kids to do is go to a safe, right. distraction-free middle school. Right. All right. If that's what you mean, then let's create safe, distraction-free middle schools. I know some middle school principals who are perfectly capable of creating that kind of school system. If they have parent support, if they have school board support, there are many principals out there who, some retired, some still working, who are completely capable of fixing our middle schools. They know exactly how to do it. Capable and willing. And willing. They're ready and willing. Remember uh, Mr. Dr. Fry? Right. Fryer? Yeah. Um, we met with him. He knows how to build a good school. Yeah. Okay. Um, Mr. Moses at Bach Academy. Yeah. Um, there are lots of middle school principals out there who are completely capable of doing this job. All Absolutely. we have to do is let them do it. Give them the resources. Let them do it. And you won't have any, you won't have any middle schools out there that you're trying to avoid. Well, and, and you know, and I think we've mentioned again this before, that uh, some of those people that you're mentioning have asked to do that, yeah, that's and right. they've, they've been denied. Yeah, they've been. They, have, we have had principals who have gone to the school district and said, "We we are willing to do this in other schools," and they have uh, thanks, but no thanks. Right, has been the response. Right. Okay. So problem number one is that no matter how you do this, once you start school choice, inevitably there are going to be more sought after schools. I'm going to call them. I'm not going to call them good schools. I'm going to say sought after schools. Right. They're going to become scarce, and parents are going to have to compete. Let me remind you, everybody of something. When our public school system started in the 1830s, right after our nation was born, when Horace Mann started these schools, he said, these are schools for the common good. This is something we have to do for the country. All the schools have to be good. We have to build what he called common schools, and right. all common schools were good. That was the idea with public education, right. free, appropriate public education that would offer a first-rate education to all children, regardless of your background, regardless of your race, regardless of your national origin, the language you spoke. You come here, you get a good education, no matter where you live, no matter where you go. That was the ideal Okay. Now we haven't succeeded in creating that ideal. My argument is I don't think choice schools are the answer. And that's what this article said. So number one, you're always going to have unequal schools. Now there's a second problem with school choice that these, that these two economists came up with. And what it is, is that let's say you have an underperforming school in a poor neighborhood. Uh Once you improve those school, that school, what's going to happen to the houses around it? What's going to happen to the houses around it? They're yeah. still going to be there. Who's going to live there? What is going to attract people? Right. With money. Right. Okay. We all know about the concept of white flight, that busing caused right. whites to move out of the city and into suburbs where they built their own school systems. Right. Okay. Right. That's not the problem with school choice. It's just the opposite. What's happening now is poor flight. Because what happens is when you build a really um, high-quality school system, people want to be going to those schools. Right. All right? And so the people who are living in, who used to live in those neighborhoods around those poorly performing schools, 
can no longer afford the housing that's in that same area. And these economists said, we have never found a way to separate school quality from housing prices. Right. The, the two of them are and always will be linked. Right. When I lived in Texas, there was a place called West Westlake. It was across the Colorado River. So Austin was on one side of the Colorado River. And when Austin initiated forced busing, wealthy people moved across the river mm -hmm. and moved into wealthy neighborhoods and started a school district called Westlake. Well, Westlake, um, who's the quarterback for the New Orleans Saints? For the um, New Orleans Saints? Uh Breeze? He was the quarterback at Westlake High School. Okay. Um, um, so you have all these, because Westlake has this football team that is always a state contender right, right. in the Texas, you know, football capital of the world is uh, Texas. And so their facilities are like a junior college. I right. mean, when you go there, you think, yeah. this is a college, this isn't a high school. Right? <laughs> That's the high school that these parents built for their children. And so the elementary schools are good, the middle schools are good, and the high schools are fabulous in this Westlake area of, of Austin, Texas. But you can't afford to live there right. unless you have a lot of money. I mean, right. so, so the poor people are on one side of the Colorado River, and the wealthy people live on the other side of the Colorado River. So we've never found a way, and so the second point is, we've never found a way to... Uh, disengage to, to separate um, school quality from um, school choice. This happened in Boston. This, these guys go to Harvard. They're adjuncts at Harvard. And so they did a study in Boston. And there's a wealthy, there's a, a nice area outside of Boston called Brookline. And when they, when the um, citizens of Brookline improved their schools, when they decided we're going to pump money and make schools better, um, suddenly all the poor people moved out of Brookline because they couldn't afford it because the rich people were moving in. Right. Okay? And so that's the second unintended consequence is that the people for whom the school was improved can no longer afford to live in that area. Right. Creating the same problem. So they're moving somewhere else and the wealthy people are moving in. Okay? Right. So that's unintended consequence number two. So and, and that is, I, I think that we've seen that time and time and time again. Mm -hmm. and, and you can tell that um, that it changes the the not just the demographic of the area, but it, it changes the the entire um, changes the whole, right, it changes, changes, changes everything. everything. And we've seen that country. happen in Lakeland, right? Well, in in our city, um, because we're inland, we can move in three hundred and sixty direct. We can move in in every direction. Um, we're we're not on the coast where you can only move one hundred and eighty degrees. Um, and so we see this flight to the suburbs, and you can you can track these schools that first of all went south, um, um, you know, from Edgewood Drive, you right, know, Cleveland Court, and then it was, and and you can track um, the demographics with each about each ten year period. There's yeah. all these schools that are being built, and now we're going, and so now Lakeland is moving toward Bartow. And in yeah. fact, the kids who live in South Lakeland are actually going to be able to go to Bartow because you can see this movement south. Right. And all those schools, now it's, uh, what is that um, southern neighborhood um, where Valley View is? Um, oh, yeah. I don't remember the name of it, yeah. but I know but, what you're talking about. But, right. but, it, but there's, what happens is these areas grow and explode That's right. in population and, and these companies come in and they buy all the land and they just put in right. and, you know, and so big you, houses. you moved you moved to Austin I mean you moved to Lakeland when we were at the university we'd have university professors accept positions at, at what then was USF Poly and they would come in and say well where are the best schools Okay, right. and you say, well, they're in here, and they say, okay, that's where I'm going to buy my house. Okay, and the real right. estate agents, they would ask the realtors, you know, well, where are the best schools? Uh, right. Where can I get really good education? They'd say, well, if you go to South Lake, then you can go to these schools. If you go to, Sa and they would say, these are the best schools. So people, professional people, move into those neighborhoods. Right, and if you look at a lot of the uh, a, a lot of the websites mm -hmm. to look at houses if you're moving into a new area, that's Chris one of the Christina. That's one it's of the um, right. Well, yeah, that's um, yeah, that's a little bit farther down from mm. from there, but yeah, the but that's one of the demographics that they provide right. when you're right. looking at a house. They they talk about what schools are in that area and how good those schools are. Because for the history of our country, quality schools have been linked to housing prices. Right. Okay. And and so there was no way to separate those two things in their model because at, at no matter what they did. Um, uh, uh, the good schools remain. So problem number one is you still have 
sought after schools. Problem number two is you're going to have those sought after schools. They're going to be a scarce commodity and therefore only certain children can access them. Right. Okay. No matter how they did this, only certain children could access them. Who are those children? Those are children whose parents know how to, I don't want to use game the system, but they know how to use the system to get what they want for their children. Right. And if you have money and if you have, you know, you can sell your house and buy another house or you can keep your house and get an apartment. Right. To, so you can change your address, okay? So usually people with money uh, are able to take advantage of whatever system exists, whether it's a neighborhood or a choice. Right, and, and many times it's not even it, it's not even a a it's not overtly a wealth thing. It's just a access of information thing. You know, a lot of those people. What happens is that a lot of people who you know one kid happens to be going to this school and it's a great school and then you know depending on social circles and things like mm -hmm. that that's how some of that word gets out there but the, the unfortunate thing is is that for for families um and and, and parents who aren't in those social circles mm -hmm. many times they have no idea they have right. they have no clue what's going on what they need to do how they need to get on the, a list how they need how the lottery That's system right. works. They just don't know that it's, information. Right. When we arrived in Austin, I mean, we why would it? Why would a parent who lives in South Lakeland? Mm -hmm. um, I know that many of you maybe some of you may be listening to this and have absolutely no idea the the area that we're talking about. But why would somebody live in one area of town and assume? That you can put your child on a list for a, a great school right. that's about 15 miles away. Unless somebody explains the system. When we arrived here in 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 the summer of 2001, we had neighbors saying, "Okay, now you got to put your kids on this list." And and I kept I said, "What are you talking about?" Well, they have to go to this school and this school. And I didn't know any of the schools because we had just arrived. And but it and it took me until about October after mm -hmm. they started school and I saw how it was working. I said, "Okay, now I get it. We're trying to avoid the middle school." So to do that, you have to go to this elementary school. Right. You know, and it was a convoluted system. But we happened to live in an area, and I was, you know, we were professionals, and so people in our neighborhood knew knew about this. Right. And so they told us about again it. the social circle you were involved in. Right. But I would, I would, uh, it, I started a private practice a few years later, and I would talk to parents, and they would say, "I have no idea what you're talking about." These are people who had lived in Lakeland all of their lives. They had no idea that there were magnet and charter schools that they right. could put their kids on the list. Right. Okay. So there's this whole idea of access and privilege, and I'm not saying I don't mean to be critical of anybody who's wealthy. We all want to be. Wealth isn't the issue. Um, it's just that wealth gives you access to scarce to sought after schools. And our argument is that every school should be a sought after mm -hmm. school. Then this this whole thing did, wouldn't need to exist. Right. Okay. Right. Now there's a third issue that I want to discuss before um, before we end here, and that is what do we mean by a good school? Right. Okay. Because that is the other issue. We've used the word sought after school, high performing schools. Um, what is a good school? Well, I don't think I don't think that a good school is one that okay, it's providing a good education, okay? It's I think not as what, easy to describe. I think what we're I think what we're talking about is clean, safe, and free of distractions. Whether I, I, we're, whether we're elementary school, preschool, elementary school, middle school or high school, I think when parents think about a good school, they're talking about some mix of high quality education, high expectations, but they're also talking about clean and safe and distraction free. Yeah, I, I think that those two aspects are, are certainly important. Um, you know, we, I, I think that there are those who make the argument that the idea of school reform right now is that students of all schools will get a high quality, um, high expectation education. Right. Uh, now, the, the reality is different than, than the uh, goals, but you know, that's, that's what the goal is. I, I think you're absolutely right that safety and um, the, the environment, uh, right. cleanliness, you know, it certainly is, is important. You know, there, we know about uh, kids who go to schools in, in some uh, locations, not necessarily around here, but you know, up north where you know, they don't have, the schools don't have um, heating, uh, they don't have air conditioning. Right. And, you know, so the, the environment, the building itself 
is is just not conducive to learning and to a good education. Right. And so, absolutely, that's one aspect is the the actual environment itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you walk into our schools here in Polk County, and you can go into some middle schools that are the floors are polished, the schools right. are sort of quiet. Everything works. There's adequate lighting. Um, it's nicely landscaped, uh, freshly painted, um, and there just seems to be some nice feeling in the building. You can walk into other middle schools. They need to be cleaned. They need to be painted. They need to be renovated. They're not landscaped properly. Uh, there's a smell in the school. And if you're a parent, which school are you going to choose for your right. child? Okay. Right. The problem is those two dif- those differences should not exist. Right. All the schools should be sought-after schools. And if you think about those exact examples that you used, the underlying issue there is money. The money, because right. how do you get polished floors? How do you get good landscaping? How do you get uh, the odor out of the, out right. of the hallways? You, you get that through having uh, the resources, the financial resources, to hire people to, to take care of those, those, those needed um, tasks. Right. So, so a lot of times it comes down to money. And I think that another, another thing that defines a good school, a quote-unquote good school, um, are the resources. Right. And that's another place that money really comes into play. Right. You know, the, the, the magnet school that, uh, or not magnet school, the, the charter school that uh, my son goes to, uh, every student in the school pays $30 and gets an iPad mm-hmm. for the entire year. They take it home, they use it for whatever they need to use it for. Uh, and not just, you know, I'm, you know, I have my uh, iPad Air, Right? right, and that I use all the time, and mm-hmm. you know that was I had the the nice one in the in the family, and then my son and, and daughter, you know, go to school and they get their iPad <laughs> and they get the iPad Air too. <laughs> Theirs is better than theirs is better than mine. Uh-huh. It's disappointing, but there there but are no other that, schools. They get that because they go to that school. Right. Why don't all the schools do that? Right. If it's worth having an iPad, why don't all the schools have iPads? And when I look at what they there is no doubt that the education that they receive, because they have that kind of technology, mm-hmm. those kinds of resources, there's no doubt that that education is right. is better. Right. I'm, I mean, I, I hate to say that, but it, but it's absolutely true. No, say it, because that's the problem right now, is that we have unequal schools. When Brown versus Board of Education was was um, decided, it was decided on that issue, that separate right. is not equal. Right. We're back to separate is unequal. Yeah, my son my son sends me some, I mean, and, and Richard, you know, one of the things that we work on with our patients, right, is um, we help try to help our patients get organized. We help mm-hmm. them keep track of their papers because especially kids with ADHD, they have a really hard time with that. My son, the, at their school, they have almost, almost no papers. Everything, homework, yeah. even math homework, is done on the iPad. So they, they don't they have ha- to worry about keeping track of papers. Right. They have they have programs and they can they can right. do their math on the on the paper. They can show their work on there and everything. Everything is done there, and so they find out. Uh, for the most part, they find out immediately how they did on tests. They find out immediately if their answers are right or wrong, right. and they have that guidance and that support, even with homework on how to how they're doing. This would be a good way to make schools better. Absolutely. If, if every kid in town had an iPod, iPad, mm-hmm. if every child had an iPad, we wouldn't have to worry about what kind of computer they have at home. Let's let's break it down even further to say if every school had Wi-Fi. Right. They don't. N- not every school. Right. No. Mm-hmm. If every school had access to what I mean. Right. The amount of information at your fingertips. Several years ago, I heard professionals, and I think they were teachers. No, I'm not sure. I heard people saying, well, the library has computers. If you don't have a computer at home, go to the library and use theirs. Uh, That's not realistic. It's not real. It's not going to work. First of all, they have to get to the library. And second, they have to wait in line. And third, the library closes. You know, right. and, and they can't stay up and do it. So it's not a solution. And, and fourth, that's not an option for a twelve-year-old whose parents are at work, right. and they can't get there until you yeah, know what's going to take the bus? Home. Right. right. So, so we have this. Um, this issue of um, unequal schools, then we have housing prices you know, linked to schools, and now we have this notion of good schools, and I think that's what good schools are. We had a response from one of our listeners um, a week or so ago. We were talking about 
magnet and charter schools. And um, this listener wrote back and said, this is why I send, she wrote about um, this new discipline system right. that they're thinking about doing and said, this is why I'm an advocate of magnet and charter schools because they're safe. We, we don't, they're safe, they're clean, and my children can get an education there. And she's absolutely right. I mean, I have no argument at all. My argument is, why do, why do we tolerate underperforming schools? Right. And the solution is not to make some schools better. The solution is to make all schools high-quality schools. Right. We know how to do it. We have the people. We have the expertise. We have the knowledge. We just don't have the political will to do it. And I don't have the answer to that one. Right. And, and I, you know, I was listening to, and we are, I'm going to say this up front, Richard, we are not getting into this conversation, but I'm going to mention it, but we're not. Wait a minute. Don't. I was watching the uh, Republican debate last night and they, it was, it was a food fight. It's hard to. (laughs) I didn't watch it because I can't. Oh my Lord. Uh, Anyways, uh, they're, they're, they're middle school children. Um, But I think that, um, the interesting thing that came that I heard several say is that they're going to defund education. They're gonna they're gonna abolish the the federal Department of Education, and and while I don't know that I disagree that a lot of educational decisions should be made at the local level. If we think about the funding, the potential funding that is going to be eliminated by getting rid of the Department of Education. All that's going to do is it's going to, and I know that this is a hot issue for you. It's going to, you know, because what they're do, what they they're moving towards vouchers. They want to move towards vouchers where students can take money that would go to the school and give it to, in often uh, often cases, um, a, a private school or or a. Yeah, I see you. Now wait, ready. you because when you introduced this with. We can't really discuss it. Right. We, no, 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 no. They want to defund the Department of Education because they want government out of education because the political, the economic philosophy here is let's have competition. That's at Milton Friedman University of Chicago. Yeah, that's school. the let's have competition. business because, model in education. And, and, and when Ronald Reagan said um, government isn't the solution, it's the problem, um, a whole generation of, of um, politicians um, became starry-eyed. Um, right. You know, Marco Rubio being one of them, um, who, who's a Reagan worshiper. And um, that was the idea with, um, with um, A Nation at Risk, is that they wanted to defund the Department of Education during the Reagan administration. Another topic for another time. But uh, the point you're making is that there are people in the country who do want to end public education as we know it. Right. Because, simply because they believe that the government, they also want to end Social Security and they want to end welfare and right. all these government programs, okay? Because the government can't do anything well. Uh, I don't agree. The government has to do certain things well. Defense is one of them. Uh, taking care of the elderly is another. Um, and education has always been something that we felt was a pri- a national priority. The, the EPA the, was another one that they said they're going to get sure get yeah. rid of completely right because we don't have to worry about the environment so it, it was it was interesting that they said that right after they were talking about uh the fiasco up in um flint michigan flint yeah i mean if we had agencies that did their jobs um it, anyway well so where did we go there so you brought all this up <laughs> one, one final point about that the um when i read the article in harvard magazine um they had responses from readers and uh-huh. the first response was from a reader who said, the problem is teachers' unions. It's because uh-huh. of teachers' unions that schools are underperforming because they want to maintain the status quo. Please don't buy that argument, okay? The teachers' unions don't have that kind of power. They don't have that kind of influence. Um, it, it's, and, and whoever this, this respondent was, responder was, stop trying to figure out who's to blame. We know how to fix underperforming schools. It doesn't matter whose fault it is. And it's it's everybody's fault. It's the students. It's their parents. It's the teachers. I it's the school boards. It's the politicians. It's state legislatures who keep cutting funding. to. It's everybody's fault. I it's think that's not, the issue is that everybody, we're, it's not so much that we need to stop looking at who's to fault. It's that 
if we if we need to be looking for anybody, it would be who's not at fault because right. everybody everybody's the, the 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 problem is is fundamental. Right. I mean, it's at the it's at the root of all of this. Right, right. That stop looking for who to blame, okay, and stop blaming the teachers' unions because the unions didn't create. <laughs> My goodness, the unions didn't create this problem. Um, you know, let's blame Bill and Melinda Gates, or let's blame you know everybody else who's throwing money at educators. Is it their fault? No, it's it's everybody's fault. The point is, we know where where the solution. We know how to make all schools better. All we have to do is take that expertise and channel it, clean up these schools, and let the principals and the teachers do their work. Right. Get out of the way. Um, Arizona right now is talking about opening the floodgates to vouchers, that every right. family in the state will get vouchers, okay? If they do that, what's what will be the unintended consequence? People will take that, number one, two things are going to happen. Number one, people will take their voucher and send their child to any school they want, any school, any school, in private schools, church-related schools, public they'll send them anywhere. Well, if you take all that money out of the public school system, the public school system is going to collapse. Right. We won't have public schools anymore. You'll get a voucher, and you're going to have to shop around for a school. And it could change every year. Right. I mean, what if you What if you pick a school and you don't like it? and Or what if the school tuition is $8,000 and you only have $4,000? Well, then you can't go to the school with $8,000. you are still going to have those sought-after schools. You're still going to have right. unequal... We have to solve the problem of unequal schools. Busing didn't solve it. Choice isn't going to solve it. And it doesn't matter whether the choice is magnet, charter, or vouchers. Choice isn't going to solve the problem of sought-after schools and poorly performing schools. We have to make all schools high-performing schools. Right. Whatever that means. And it means education and um, safety. Right. Okay. Yeah, I, I, think that, I, I think that the solution... I don't want to oversimplify it, though it seems like the solution is apparent. Uh, you know, it, it seems it's not only obvious. apparent; it's being done. Right. I mean, take take yeah. take that. What is that school? Achievement Academy, that um, the, Mr. Dr. Fryer. Yeah, is that? Yeah. I think it's called Achievement Academy. He's already doing it. Um, uh, Mr. Moses at uh, at Bach. Bach Academy. He's already doing it. I mean, the the principal who was at Bach before Mr. Moses, uh, who's now at, uh, th- they know how to do this. Right. I mean, let. Let the professionals do their job. They will do it very well. You'll be very happy with the results. Yeah, yeah. So, so you know, I, I guess as we're pulling this together, right? the issue is, is that we understand where the idea of school choice came from. We right. understand how it was born, how it came about. The, 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 the primary issue that we have is, that, is the way that it's changed and evolved and what it has turned into right. as time has passed. And we... Ha- and, and it has these unintended consequences. Right. Nobody expected this stuff to happen. I don't blame the, the school choice people. I'm just saying that they're, we're, we're creating problems that we don't need to create. Choice is not, is not the solution, any more than busing was. Right. Choice is doing what busing did. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, so Thank but again, you for the opportunity. Yeah, the so, but again, this is, this is just important stuff that we're talking about. I have another question. Isn't there an education forum coming? I was up? just about to. Well, no, because these are the kind of issues that we should be discussing at that forum. Okay, right. and I hope that we're able to make we're able to have these discussions at a place like that where you have leaders from education, political leadership, because we're going to have some political leaders there, right? I, and superintendents, to get them, yeah. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. But this is a discussion that we need to have. Um, years ago, we had uh, Ted Kennedy's office was interested in coming here. We were going to have a forum on No Child Left Behind mm-hmm. when it was being um, reauthorized, and um, his office agreed to send a representative. So wow. this is something of of national interest. This is a problem that people are having all over the country, and um, um, I, I hope this uh, this topic comes up. Uh, during that education forum. Yeah, so speaking of the education forum, um, that is going to be here in Polk County. Um, and it's in at, in Lakeland. It's going to be at the uh, Polk State College Public Safety Center. Um, I, I'm, I'm assuming that it's okay for me to... Uh, to announce this, uh, well, you know, we'll see what happens. Um, but but um, I'm going to have the opportunity to be on this on this panel uh, with a number of other people, including the Polk County Chief Academic Officer, um, a Director of Assessment uh, and Accountability. Uh, a parent is there's going to be a parent. There's going to be some previous teachers and current teachers, current principal, um, and me. Uh, so I'm coming. There. 
You're going to be there? I'm going to be there. Fantastic. No, you're not cutting me out. We had a, uh, we had a conference call yesterday, and, and the primary focus of the, of the forum is going to be on standardized testing. Uh, they want us to really spend time focusing on that. Um, though uh, our good friend, uh, Wendy Bradshaw, Dr. Wendy right. Bradshaw, is going to be on the, on the panel. Good. And uh, she was on the conference call yesterday. And we uh, we kept wanting to go off and talk about some of these other uh, other specific things because uh, it just feels like there's so many things to talk about. Uh, but the so the the forum is going to be on March 28th. It will begin at 6:30. That Polk State College Public Safety Center. It's what day um, of the week is that? Uh, that's a Monday. Monday. Um, okay. That is uh, going to be off of uh, for those of you who are around here. It's going to be off of Winter Lake Road. Um, on, uh, J- on J- no Winter Lake Road, uh, on Jim Keen uh, Boulevard. It's it's on down. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to give lots of specifics for those of you who are from around here. But if you're not from around here, you have no idea what I'm talking about. It's, it's not too far from All Saints Academy. Um, so so that's where the forum will be. Is we at 6:30 on March 28th. Uh, the ledger will be posting more information about it as as we get closer to that date. Uh, but it's really only just a few weeks away. Uh, so it's getting close. Yep. Looking forward to it. I'm really excited about it because I think that it's going to be, um, it's going to be very revealing. Uh, I'm the, the ledger is going to be inviting, uh, readers to write in questions that we'll respond to. I don't think that it's going to be an open floor, uh, panel, uh, where, where forum where people can ask questions there, but it will certainly be a situation where if people wrote in questions, we'll be responding to them, um, and I know I will, and I'm sure Dr. Bradshaw and some others will be hanging around afterwards to answer other questions. And so it'll be great that you're there so that you can... Well, you're not leaving me out. Stand so there I'll with be me. There. I'm going to be there. <laughs> so um, It's a great idea. We need more of those discussions. Absolutely. So Got to air this stuff out. Too many decisions are being made. Too many people are being affected. And much of the effect is negative. And we just have to get some reasoned people... Um, I'm glad that Wendy Bradshaw is going to be there because um, I think she has uh, she's on the right track and and uh, I know that other people who are going to be there um, are going to discuss these issues um, seriously and um, that's what it needs. We need a serious discussion about these issues. Okay. Yeah, and, and I'm, I've I've sent an email to the uh, to the editor and to the reporter that's sort of covering this mm-hmm. forum to find out because uh, it may be. Uh, Broadcast live on PGTV, oh, Polk, Polk County Government TV, um, and so if that is the case, we will announce that on on next week's podcast. Yeah, so hopefully, I'll know by then. Good. Uh, so okay. All right. Well, anything else? No, I enjoyed uh, the topic. Please let me know how you feel about it. Uh, let us know how you feel about it. You can do that via uh, Facebook. Um, it's uh, Facebook's dot com slash paidea mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um or you can do it on our uh twitter which is uh twitter doc uh is at dr bernie d-r-b-e-r-n-e-y is is the handle uh or you can go to our blog there's all kinds of places where you can reach us we're, we're everywhere no we have comments. a pinterest no we have a pinterest no we don't i think so no i i, I no. put don't tell me that. i put my email address in there so i think that that means i have one um <laughs> So, all right. Well, we do have an Instagram. It's been... <laughs> all right. So I'll turn off the mic so he'll stop talking. <laughs> you asked. All right. Well, it was uh, a pleasure talking pleasure. about this today. All right. Yeah, it was um, good. Good discussion. Um, please let us know what you think about it. And uh, and if you have let's... any topics that you'd like for us yeah, to talk right. about, if there are other topics not. you want us to talk about, let us know. We'll look it up and have a nice, lively discussion about it. Absolutely. I'll have my vo- I'll have my voice back by then. I just have to do tonight's entertainment at the Holiday Inn, then I'll be okay. I'm digging it though. Oh, it's going to be so good. Baritone. That's All right. Well, so baritone. until next week, I'm okay. Dr. Bernie. I'm Dr. Richard. And have a terrific weekend, and we will see you then. Thank you.